0: I remember doing some research a while ago, too, on the elements themselves, the idea of wine and bread, and that that God so intricately wired into the fabric of creation, that he created these things, bread and wine, and that these would become the elements by which the Jews celebrate Passover, and, and that... Then we would celebrate the Lord's Supper and the remembrance of what he accomplished on the cross and through his life and his resurrection. But that these elements themselves imitate and cause us to look at what is accomplished. So, bread, when it's at its height, so wheat, when it's harvested, is at the fruit of its life, it's at the the pinnacle of its life, and then it's cut down, it's crushed. And then it's you know kneaded and and beaten, and then eventually it's baked so that it will give us life. Yeah, and so bread is sacrificed so that we can have life. Yep, and that's a when he says this is my body, he's about to give up his body, and it's going to be beaten and uh, not completely crushed, but there's a there's a crushing, a beating that's going to happen. And he's going to give up his life so that we can have life. When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. Bible. All right. Welcome back to the Take and Read podcast. I'm excited because for, I don't know how many weeks, I have been meeting with folks, guests online. And this is one of those rare times where I have actually a a live person. If you can't see, I just touched Howard because I can.
1: And I didn't respond i just let you do it (laughs) that's
0: true so i i don't know how real it was uh anyway it's good to have howard me back in in the podcast studio here and uh we are coming to you live from from up north in montana and where it's still winter wherever you are it could be summer but it's not summer here it's full-on winter yeah it's still winter here winter number three uh and one of the things that I love about Howard is he is a passionate man. And so you at one point said, you told me, there's three things that you love. You love Jesus, you love your family, and you love bow hunting. Facts. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and that your your greatest struggle every day is keeping those in the right priority. Yeah. Yeah. Winner, winner helps. <laughs> yeah. Because it kind of eliminates the third. Yeah. For yeah. the most part. So uh, – yeah, I'm curious how you do um, how you do strike that balance or when you know that is out of balance because mm-hmm. there are times where hunting season's here and it's only here for a little while, and so that's going to rev up. However, it's not top priority, right. although it could seem or feel or look like it is. So this is for anybody who's wrestling with, they have passions they have in their life, and there are times where that passion – maybe looks like it's, it's overshadowing a passion for Christ or a passion for family and loved ones or people. How do you know when you're out of balance or how do you strike that balance? Well, I have a wife. (laughs) She gives you a line. So what you, you hit on the
1: important part, it's seasonal. Okay. Right. So like the hunting lifestyles year round, Mm -hmm. but the really intense parts are seasonal. And so through, through multiple failures, trial and error worked out a system with my wife where we, I check in and be like, okay, are we, we good. Okay. And then I have to do some husbandry and not just listen to her answer, but take in other cues in addition to her answer and be like, okay, is, is this something like, do I need to take the day off? Right. You know, and sometime in another date, I'll tell you some of the stories where like I took a half day because it was best to be home. Mm. And the last half of the day was the best day of the season. Okay, yeah, I'll so you, show you the mount on my wall <laughs> <laughs>
0: and did you did you come into that marriage with with an understanding like was that
1: something was she little, knew about you? Yeah, but it was a little unfair, so when we were married, we spent the first five years of marriage in in Oklahoma, okay, and I was going to school and then I was working at the school, so I didn't do a lot of hunting. she was mm-hmm. just sort of something that she knew. That I was, I did right. When we came back to Montana, I think there's a little bit of like, oh, <laughs> this okay. isn't like you know, like a hobby that you do. This is kind of who you are. And I, there's a little bit of learning curve there for okay. both of us, I think. Another thing that helps a ton is, uh, spending time with the family in it. Mm-hmm. So I take my kids hunting, and you know we do a lot of backpacking and stuff like that together as a family. Yeah. So then it's not like. I, Dad's just off doing his own thing, and we don't see him for three months. Mm-hmm. Like, one of my kids is really, really into it. So, you know, that helps. Yeah. You know, I'm spending quality time with them also. Yeah. But yeah, it's a battle.
0: I remember, and now I know you better than I did in the fall. And we had a ministry event yeah. for fathers and sons that was. Yeah. Right in the midst of it was peak elk rat, bud. Yeah, (laughs) so for those listening, it was the best time if you're a bow hunter to to call and find elk. Yeah, and Howard shows up at the retreat, and he did. You didn't make it known, like, you weren't like. I just want you to know what I've sacrificed here, but it was it, it became known. <laughs> no
1: one wants that guy at the retreat. Like oh, I don't really want to yes. dragging it down. Right.
0: But it, it now that I know what I know about you, it's uh, it was cool. It was encouraging uh, to me. Yeah, to see some someone like you who this is a pivotal time in a season that you're passionate about, and those opportunities are rare when you consider how 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 short of a window that is. And right. yet you were going to take that time with your, your yeah. sons.
1: Yeah. So the, one of my sons has zero interest in it and he really wanted to go. Yeah. So that made it pretty easy. Yeah. I was like, Oh, we'll, we'll head we'll out do of camp that. early and we'll spend time with everyone else. So right on. And we didn't get an elk last year <laughs> for the first time <laughs> in like 10 years. And who knows <laughs> why, if you would have got one, I mean, there's no way to know, <laughs> yeah, right? I know. <laughs>
0: It's facts. (laughs) It's true. But uh, I'm so glad to to have you here. And I think the text that we're looking at, you have been chewing on another one of the accounts of this. And so um, we just so everybody knows, before we jumped on the podcast, we spent some time praying. And I think that that's important to do, that we believe and understand this to be a supernatural book. meaning the Spirit of God has to give us insight. And I've certainly experienced, even when I think back to the early days that I had in my walk with the Lord, the difference between truly seeking the Lord as I sat down in the scriptures and then versus just opening them up and and trying to check the box and just get through it for that day. And, And so I want to encourage everybody that, truly seek the Lord and ask for His guidance, and that's something that we did before we jumped on here, yep. and just want to let everybody know that. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 14, and again, I don't know, what what was the, were we in chapter 12 when you were on last? Maybe 13. It was the signs of the end times. Yeah, so it was 13, first okay. part of 13, yeah. Okay, so we are in Mark 14, and we are going to be looking... At a few short verses here, so we're in verse twenty-two through twenty-five, and okay. again we are. You know, I try to try to limit how much time I spend recapping, but what we have been doing in the recent verses is we've looked at as Jesus has now arrived in Jerusalem and everything from that. You know, signs of the end times, things like that. He's now moving into. Uh, a sequence of events where his betrayal is is imminent and it's been pre- predicted uh, we've We've learned that Judas is already kind of in cahoots with the religious yeah. leaders he's Judas. just they' they're sitting down at table so so what we are experiencing now is they are now in the upper room they're they've found their place they're going to have Passover and that meal is taking place right now. And just right before these verses that we'll read, Jesus has indicated that somebody among them that is dipping bread in the cup with him is going to betray him. The interesting thing about that was that all of the disciples that are there are like, is it me? But no one said, is it Judas? Yeah, no one did. Right? They're all like, yeah. They're asking themselves, (laughs) is it me? Which is an interesting, like… They're wondering, could they be capable of something like that? Right. Yeah. And they're not totally convinced they, they wouldn't be capable of that. And, and so that's just gone on. And then we transition to these verses that we'll read now. Okay. So here we are, Mark 14. We are in the ESV starting in verse 22. And as they were eating, he took bread, he being Jesus, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, This take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it, and he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And so that's all that Mark gives us of this incident. We can go right. to other passages and we can man we can unpack and there's a lot more that's said and that's that's understood. What I want to do for our, our purposes here is what can we extract from Mark's account if this was the earliest account to believers of Jesus's ministry and the institution of the Lord's Supper? What is it that we can draw from Mark's account?
1: Without jumping to the other gospels.
0: However, I know that you are you have spent some time recently studying this very particular incident. Yeah. And so feel free to bring that in after we've kind of harvested from okay. Mark, if that helps. Yeah. Okay. For sure. So I first wanna, you know, understand the context. What what is being said and in what space is that being said? Who's there? What's going on? And so what do we know about this particular incident
1: What's the passover right right so they're remembering back to when moses brought the tenth and the death angel came through and he saw the blood he saw the blood he passed over and there was a meal that they ate yes so that's what they're doing now thousands of years later remembering
0: that same meal so uh to unpack that even further you talk about moses and and so here we have a group of jews that are gathered Yep. celebrating a feast that's instituted by God to remember a moment in the Jewish history when they were enslaved in Egypt, and he was working through Moses to deliver them from slavery. Yeah, And there were a series of plagues that occurred, but one of those, the final plague, was going to be God coming in and taking the firstborn yep. of every family. Yep, And... He said go through and tell the people in the my people the Hebrews that are in enslaved in Egypt to take a lamb its blood and put over the doorpost the blood of this lamb which is an indicator that those families covered by the blood God's spirit will pass over that family and go to the next house right. and take their firstborn but re- keep from taking the firstborn of anyone covered by the blood. Yep. So now, hundreds of years later, Jews are still celebrating this Passover feast, and it happens to be at that time that Jesus and his disciples have now gathered, as all Jews would be doing to celebrate the Passover, in a room, and they're now having this conversation, and they're having this feast. Right. Okay. So when,
1: yeah, go ahead. No, you keep going. Well, when he, so when he says... Take this as my body. That's nothing anyone else is doing in Jerusalem that night. No, that's something new. That's that different. is very new. He's he's it's the the last supper, <laughs> the last of the old and the first of the new. Is what he's establishing right here.
0: Yeah, it's a significant moment in history. Yep, this night that he is taking something that they would have done for generations. That was packed full of all kinds of meaning that all of a sudden in God's perfect playing out of history, that historic event actually anticipated this night.
1: Yes. And without derailing this, we can do like a homework assignment to study on your own. Yeah. Is the signs that indicate that Jesus was the Passover lamb. Mm. He was born in Bethlehem. He was born where the Passover lambs were kept. That's why the shepherds were the first on the scene. When he's wrapped in the swaddling clothes, the swaddling clothes were the materials that they used to clean the newborn sheep. So he's in that location, which is totally foreshadowing and symbolic. And then it's on the night when the Passover lambs are killed that he's now sharing this meal. There were two Passovers, at this time, the northern Jews believed that a day was from sunset to sunset, mm-hmm. and the southern Jews believed that a day was sunrise to sunrise. sunrise yeah. So half, let's well, just say half the Jews celebrated Passover on the first night, and the rest of the Jews celebrated Passover this the next day. So they're still on the same day, they're just measuring time different. Mm-hmm. So Jesus was able to institute the new covenant on Passover, and still be the Passover lamb when he was sacrificed. Amen.
0: Like that thread is, it's there. It's, it's obvious to us now. It is for them. They would have been doing something that they have done every year, their entire lives. And now he, but he's saying different things. Yeah. They weren't used to hearing. And I think that's important to note that here he's got these intimate followers and he's been trying to indicate to them. I'm the Messiah. Peter's recognized that, but didn't yep. fully get what that meant. And he continues to perform these amazing signs and miracles. He's casting out demons. He's doing all this stuff. They arrive in the temple. He, they just get done hearing him teach on, man, this no stone's going to be left on top of itself. And they're trying to wrap their minds around this. What do you mean the temple's going to be destroyed yeah. and it's going to be rebuilt? And uh, when will we know all this happens? And so he is... Every step of the way, and it's becoming more and more condensed, or kind of uh, maybe dense is the right word. It's his, he's trying to give them an awareness of everything that they understood from their ancestors and what God had instituted was was a type or a foreshadowing of what would be accomplished in Him. Yep, and right. we don't know if they understood that that night. Or if that's part of what he talked about for 40 days after yeah. he rose from the dead, before right. he ascended. But we can look back on it, and with with a with a whole lot of research, we can begin to kind of uncover the layers of meaning yeah. that exist on this particular night. Ann and I are going through a
1: study right now with, um, I won't say who, we'll just say Sadie. And we're doing a Bible study with Sadie, and we came to this part in John, mm. and we explained the Passover stuff and the the Passover lamb, and she's like, "I don't understand how they didn't see it." She's mm-hmm. like, "How can they not get it?" I'm like, well, we got a lot of hindsight, mm-hmm. you know, that helps us see what they couldn't see until until the time was right for it to be real revealed to them.
0: And there's a sense in which he's talking about things that haven't happened yet. Yes, so he's saying, yeah. "This is my body," yeah. and they're like. Uh, I don't know what that means, but okay, right. sure, and they're dipping <laughs> and they're taking this is my blood and they're like the blood of the new covenant well they're gonna they're gonna understand covenant language, they're gonna understand wine and this represents my blood and and they may have some hooks to hang those ideas on, but some of it is still yet to happen, yeah, they're still on faith mode, right, right, right? like I don't get this,
1: but I get that I will, like I'm trusting that it will make sense, right, and you're Messiah, so we'll.
0: And faith, believe and follow, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so he says, "Take this, my body." And uh, it's a, it's hard to confine yourself to this particular it is a little account because there's so much more said other places. And I almost just continued with what I've read other places uh, when conducting kind of a communion or Lord's supper service. But he says, "Take this, my body." Uh, so he's referring to this this bread. Uh, that he is blessed and he is broken, and he starts to distribute that out. And so these are elements, the, the, the bread and the cup would have been common elements at a table, but also very common at a Passover supper, yep. very um, important to have been there and present. Anything else in your kind of research around the way they celebrated Passover and other things that might be interesting to know about that? And this, I don't have anything in mind, but just curious.
1: Have you ever done a Seder dinner? I have. So if you've done that, it's like a long thing. Right. It's not just sit down, smash some food, and and say a prayer or something. Like, it's a long process. Mm -hmm. And my curiosity, I'm like, when in that process of, like, the normal meal that they were all accustomed to, did this take place? Mm -hmm. Right? Was it in, did he work it in? Was it tagged on, like, at the end? Like, okay, so there's our meal, and now I'm going to break this bread it's just curious because yeah. I don't think there's
0: an answer for it, but it'd be interesting to know. I remember doing some research a while ago, too, on the elements themselves, the idea of wine and bread, and that that God so intricately wired into the fabric of creation that he created these things, bread and wine, and that these would become the elements by which the Jews celebrate passover and and that then we would celebrate the lord's supper and the remembrance of what he accomplished on the cross and through his life and his resurrection but that these elements themselves imitate and cause us to look at what is accomplished so bread when it's at its height so wheat when it's harvested is at the fruit of its life it's at the the pinnacle of its life and Mm -hmm. then it's cut down it's crushed and then it's you know kneaded and and beaten and then eventually it's baked so that it will give us life yeah and so bread is sacrificed so that we can have life yep and that's a when he says this is my body he's about to give up his body and it's going to be beaten and uh not completely crushed, but there's a there's a crushing, a beating that's going to happen and he's gonna give up his life so that we can have life. Mm-hmm.
1: He he's in other passages
0: <laughs> You're doing a good job.
1: But go ahead. He's he's been laying out that that um, line of thinking for a while mm-hmm. now he's gone back and he said that I'm the bread of life right. and he feeds the 5,000 and he ties it into the man in the wilderness and he's saying no God's God's what sustains Amen. you it's not this food that you're eating there's a higher level of sustaining that's taking place mm-hmm. right and then in he says in John 6 he says unless you eat my eat my flesh and drink my blood you have no part of me and a bunch of his followers were like that's a hard
0: saying that's a that's, yeah it's a hard. and that's sale.
1: when he says Peter says well where else would we go? You know, he's like, you're the Messiah, right? Right. So he's even in Jesus's teachings, he's been preparing them for understanding this moment as well. That yeah. Like, there's so many uh, threads of thought that are tied yep. to this moment, which is just cool.
0: And I mean, grapes are the same way. Grapes are at the height. Of, it's the fruit of the vine. It's it's the Wine is something that causes joy and celebration, and when a grape is at its height of ripeness, it's then harvested, crushed, it expresses its life juice, Mm -hmm. its blood, and then that blood or that juice ferments and rises and ferments and then brings joy and life to those who consume it. Mm -hmm. And so, even in the elements themselves, is the gospel yeah. of what he's about to go and do that they don't really have a category for yet, right. because they were consistently told they just don't understand it. They don't. They just still don't get it. And and so, it's interesting the point that you brought up out of John six that one of the reasons for persecution in the first century church was that they were believers were accused of cannibalism. Yeah. Yeah. That they were eat, literally eating the blood and and body of their their savior, yeah. and so they were accused of this. And so there was still this this misunderstanding of the symbolism, but the the deeper meaning that was going on here. And so some people even today would go, I, I just don't, I don't get it. Right. I don't get this. Why do we do the juice and the and the bread? Is it snack time? What is it? <laughs> and that's what my kids thought when they were little. They're and the 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 elements would pass by them and they're like, when do we get the snacks? Right. And <laughs> so there's this like reality of this, there is something going on here in what Christ is instituting. And I think we have to remember that, that this is something he made up. Yeah, It's not something we made up because it would be really weird if we made it up, but he instituted something and why did he do it? Why is it that he does, he says every time that we gather together, this should be something that we do, and I know for myself, I'm extremely forgetful, and I need constant reminders, right, of what what he has done and accomplished for for me. I don't know about you, but that's how I help my my kids understand. And I also, when I engage in these elements, uh, I'm always trying to just really clear my heart, and my mind to remember what has been accomplished for me. Cause right. that's why he did it. He said, do this in remembrance of me.
1: And that's, that's part of the Passover meal that, that stayed the same. Right. Right. He says, and as often as you do this, you do it in remembrance of me. It's a reminder of what for them is about to take place. And for us, what has taken place. Amen. So it serves the same function because yeah. he knows we need it.
0: And I think when this is occurring, and the spread of the gospel happens and the growth of the church as you kind of track through the book of Acts and first century, most of the people would have been illiterate. So you mm-hmm. have a large group of people that are receiving the gospel. And so the fact that Jesus takes something that's tactile, that is so yeah, that's a good point readily man. available that is now utilized to constantly reinforce the main thing. Yeah jesus his life his death his resurrection over and over and over again because they didn't all have yeah the book it's a tangible parable that yep. they could par- that's really good exactly that's a great point yeah all righty so as we continue to wrestle with this uh this is again just after he's indicated one of you is going to betray me yeah and he even indicates that one of you who is participating by sticking your bread in the same cup. Mm-hmm. You, one of you is going to betray me. Then, uh, as they were eating, he continues this lesson. He institutes this, what we call the Lord's Supper or communion, depending on your tradition. And he r- takes these things that already have incredible meaning, and he translates that meaning. And I don't know if he redefines it or just updates their their understanding of what these things mean and what God is going to use in these things. And then he says this thing in verse 25, Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it in the new kingdom of God. So that's a whole nother element here that we understand in the beginning of Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 14, where it says Jesus goes around preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, Mm -hmm. saying repent and believe the kingdom Mm -hmm. of God is at hand. And he references the kingdom of God, saying it's it's at hand. And then throughout the whole Gospel of Mark, it's time after time he is teaching or demonstrating his authority. And it's different from all other earthly authorities that that they encounter. Yep. So he teaches as one who has authority, not like the scribes. He demonstrates his authority over the demons, and so the supernatural realm. And they're immediately obedient, unlike humans, who he says, hey, don't go tell anybody, and then they go and tell everybody. Right. He demonstrates his authority over storm systems, over the the wind and the waves, he over sicknesses, so big things, small physical things, and, and drives out sickness and leprosy and heals people and rises people, brings them back from the dead. So he's demonstrating this authority, and I think kingdom language sometimes makes us nervous. Yeah, I mean, we got our start as a country kind of casting off <laughs> yeah, the kingdom. The kingdom. <laughs> so, uh how do you kind of wrestle with and help people think about the kingdom of God? That's something that he introduces here and that it's it's he's not going to do this thing. He's not going to physically drink again from the fruit of the vine. So he's not going to have wine again until he's in the new kingdom. I I think there's two different ref, two different ideas here. I think He's talking about
1: the new heaven and the new earth is my understanding of what he's talking about. Generally speaking, my understanding and the way I explain it is the kingdom of God is the the realm over which God has domain as king on this earth right now. So when you become a believer, you're under his lordship Mm -hmm. and so you and I are in his kingdom as his citizens transient upon the earth in all places. So that's my understanding of the kingdom of God he's talking about when he's teaching back in Mark chapter yep. 1 and Matthew and Mark and Luke, and mm-hmm. he talks about it a lot. I think what he's talking about here in this verse is the future physical kingdom. Mm. And I
0: could be wrong. Like the new, that, new Jerusalem, the yeah. new heavens and earth. Yeah, it's interesting because he will, in the first part of Acts, it tells us that for 40 days that he is with the disciples – After the resurrection, before he ascends, the description of what he talks to them about is the kingdom of God.
1: And one of the first things he does when he appears in the upper room is he eats a meal. And he eats a meal. And then he also, at the end of... So do you think that's the new kingdom he's talking about? Like the kingdom of God that I just explained, the kingdom that we are citizens of
0: as believers... I think that what he's talking about is the kingdom is inaugurated upon his resurrection. That that authority is fully now realized and that what the, those that are crucifying Jesus don't realize is they're participating in his coronation. That he is now fully accomplished what humanity was supposed to do, which was walk in faithful, humble obedience And obedience in a sinful fallen world means obedience to the point of death. He accomplishes that. He now dethrones Satan, who no longer has dominion. The consequences of sin. Right, which we abdicated in the garden in Genesis 3. When Adam had dominion over the earth, he gave it up when he ate of the fruit. And so now Jesus has now accomplished the dominion that we're supposed to have, and now he reigns as the king by conquering satan sin yeah. and death upon his resurrection that's good that's really good so i think that that's what he's pointing to is this kingdom's about to be inaugurated right and i won't drink of this fruit until it is and then it begins and then he does after the resur- mm-hmm. after his yeah, yeah after the resurrection
1: that makes a lot of sense
0: so that's what that's, i see
1: yeah no you're right okay I, I would agree with that i was thinking in my mind well, he hasn't drank of the fruit of the vine yet, but he did when he, mm-hmm. yeah, nailed it. And
0: he was physical, Good he job. was tangible. That was awesome. Praise God. Yeah. All righty. So, how do we then wrestle with this? There's, there's a couple of different things happening in just these few three to four verses, right? How do we go and live in light of these truths as two brothers, as two men, as two husbands, as two fathers? What's what's something that resonates with you? What is significant? And again, I, I want to remind folks on the podcast that th- when we approach a text, sometimes okay, we want to wrestle with what does it say? What is it? You know, what what's all the nuance, the context? And although here we tried to limit ourselves to just Mark, my encouragement is don't. When you're reading, yeah. jump wherever you can to find meaning and what this what is truly happening here. Then there's the meaning for the people. Then, what did this mean in the moment? Then you've got this another another layer of meaning, what does this mean to those in the early church that are receiving this account? Then why is this significant for us? Because when we understand the meaning of the text, that what did Jesus mean in this moment, what did Mark mean when he wrote this, that will then cause us to understand why it's significant. Sometimes though, we jump the gun and we read it, understand it and go, okay, why is it significant for me? And we, we bypass this middle part, which you and I just wrestled through, I think, which is important. So what does it mean here, and why is that significant for us?
1: I think the surface-level truth is pretty obvious. We need to mm-hmm. do the Lord's Supper, communion, however you want to Because we're it, right?
0: forgetful, and he knew it, and so here's a tactile, regular reminder of yeah. what the gospel so is. So number
1: one, it continues to serve as a reminder, just mm-hmm. like the original Passover. But I think for me, number two, it reminds me that I am a citizen of the kingdom, yeah. and I need to need to live my life that way. I need to, to act remember like that it. I'm an ambassador here. This world's not my home. The priorities and the decisions that the world cares about and focuses on aren't the things that mm-hmm. I focus on and hold as a priority.
0: Yeah, not that we can't enjoy life here. Right. No. I think some people will, will take that to this kind of extreme and say, well, then I can't have any fun here. I can't have any joy here. No, we understand that God wired us for the whole spectrum of emotions and experience, but our main priority is through every avenue of joy and fun that we can have, how do we exalt Him and make it about Him? Yeah, And I think that that's a good reminder. And even for someone like you who is passionate about Jesus, His family, and hunting— Hunting isn't a time where you kind of turn off your identity no. as a citizen of the kingdom. No. You're exercising stewardship and right. dominion and you're you're fulfilling what it means to be a, a citizen of the king. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Amen. Howard, awesome. This is yeah. such a good time in the world. Thanks work. for having me. Yeah. Uh for those who are joining us again, this is Howard Mee. Uh, He's been a guest on the podcast before and will be a more frequent guest because he's one of the guys I like to study scripture with in my hometown. So uh, this live setup is so much more uh, stimulating for me uh, in terms of being a verbal processor. But for those who are tuning in, I want to encourage you, if you have any questions, if we, we, we scratched a surface here, we did not plumb the depths of it. There's so much more, and if there are comments or questions that you have for either Howard or myself, please email me at takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to dialogue and wrestle with this uh, as a community, then that's where you go to the comments and wrestle with those things uh, in the comment section. would encourage you to like, subscribe, do all the stuff you're supposed to do with social media and podcasts, because that simply helps people find us. At the end of the day, that's... My goal is not to make my, my own name more known, but I want to make him known and I want to get more people taking and reading the scriptures. So, as much as you can help do that, that would be great. Uh, and also, I started this new thing. If people want to buy me a cup of coffee, they can. It's called Buy Me a Cup of Coffee, or I think it's buymeacoffee.com there's a link uh in the description below and that helps fill cups for guests and myself and it's one way to support the podcast because i typically have a cup of coffee although i realize neither of us have a mug in front of us right now well i chugged you just chugged chugged it it it. it. through mine's over there on the shelf but uh regardless uh i thank you for the support you can join the community of others that take and read the word of god so again thank you howard for being here yeah I want to encourage everybody to wrestle with the truths of the gospel that are represented in these elements, the bread and the cup. Uh, we are two men who believe this to be absolutely true. Uh, we are uh, profoundly impacted by this truth, and it shapes our life today. And when on those days when we mess up, we confess, we repent, and we turn back to the reality that Jesus is our King, and we want to follow Him as He empowers us to do so. I want to encourage you as well to wrestle with that truth, and if you haven't, Uh, made a confession of faith in Jesus Christ and you are wanting to do that, you can, again, email me. I've gotten to interact with a few folks that have said that this podcast has caused them to wrestle with these truths and super encouraged to see the Lord use something like this uh, to share His, His truth with other people. So if you're one of those, email me, let me know how this has impacted you. It's super encouraging. But right now, I encourage you to go take and read the Word of God. Blessings.